Good morning. I trust you had a beautiful, wonderful, Merry Christmas. And you know, I wish you a COVID-free New Year. Um, I, uh, I'd like to tell you where we're going to go this morning because I've never done it this way before, so it's a little bit new for me too. First of all, I'd like to read our passage <clears throat> so that you get a picture of, of the whole. Then I'd like to go back and take it in little pieces and go through it so that we've got a, a real understanding of, uh, of the passage itself. And then finally, I have a little acrostic that um, compares dead and, li and living, which I believe is the theme of what's actually in this passage of scripture. I remember, um, oh heavens, uh, awful long time ago, I was in about the fourth grade in uh, Cahaga Falls, Ohio. And uh, I remember, if you can believe this, in the public school, we opened our mornings by um, uh, reading from the scriptures. And then we would pray, our Father, and so forth and so on, and then we would pledge allegiance to the flag. Sounds like a Christian school, but no, it was the public school. And I remember when we came to the end of the Gospels, the teacher said, you know, the book of Acts is just a story of what the apostles did. There really isn't much there. So let's start the Gospels again. And I thought to myself, well, that's probably true. Then years later, when I came to know the Lord, uh, the book of Romans became very real to me. So I, my Bible was the four Gospels and the book of Romans. And then some wise guy got a hold of me one day and said, you know, if you really want to be with it, you read the whole Bible. So I went through the whole Bible. And I remember when I got to the book of Acts, I thought, well, I, I'll read it, but it probably isn't much. I'll never forget. <clears throat> I'm sure glad I just had an operation on my voice so that it's real clear for you this morning. <clears throat> but I remember when I got to the book of Acts and I started reading that, I even remember where I was. I could not put it down. I went through 28 chapters and then I thought maybe I ought to read it again. I couldn't believe anything was that good and that real. Had the privilege of teaching it many times since, but what a, what a tremendous book. And, and the way it's laid out for us is just beautiful. So I know you, you feel like an elevator because you've been up and down all morning, but out of deference to the word of God and to the glory of God, why don't you stand as I read chapter five, beginning in verse 12. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. And they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest, <clears throat> excuse me, none of the rest, <clears throat> none of the rest joined them, but the people held them in high esteem. <clears throat> and more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. 
The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. But the high priest rose up, and all who were with him, that is the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Now when the high priest came and those who were with him, they called together the council, all the senate of the people of Israel, and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison. So they returned and reported, we found the prison securely locked and the doors uh, and the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them, wondering what this would come up, come to. And someone came and told them, look, the men who you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain with the officers went and brought them, but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charged you not to teach in this name, yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, the teacher of the law held in honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. And he said to them, men of Israel, take care what you are about to do to these men. For before these days, Thutis rose up and claiming to be somebody and a number of men about 400 joined him. He was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from those men and let them alone, for if this plan of the, of, or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice. And when they had called to the apostles, or called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day and in the temple 
and from house to house they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. Please be seated. The Word of God. You notice that the very end there, and every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Christ is Jesus. You heard that before. You heard it at the end of chapter 2. The book of Acts, like life, is segmented. And, you know, it's like this took place and this was the result. This took place and this was the result. That's the way our lives are. God brings something into our life and then we have a result that comes from it that probably will cause us to grow. If you're a Christian, you're, you're going to grow because God has ordained that you're going to become formed to the image of his son. And so as, as we go through here, we, we begin to see these, these pictures where they, where, you know, an event takes place and then there's an outcome. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. So uh, what I'd like to do now is I'd like to talk about these great wonders. You know, as, as we read this first paragraph, it's exciting because um, we, we, just, we just lost Ananias and Sapphira. Uh, you know, an interesting thing about the scriptures, um, if, you, if you, you know, I told you how things, there's, there's, an, there's an act and then there's a result. Well, if you, look at the, if you look at the unfolding of God's word through the years, you see that picture. It starts, you remember, right after the fall. We have uh, the murder of Cain, and, uh, a murder of Abel by Cain. And, uh, and then, you know, when they, when they committed the promised land, a uh, brand new beginning. And what happens? Well, Achan, you remember, he, uh, he took one of the devoted things and God caused, the, uh, caused him to die. And then you remember at the, at the unfolding of David's kingdom, you remember right in the very beginning, David wanted to bring the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. And so what did he do? Well, he brought the Ark into town and you remember Uzzah reached out and touched it. And God slew him. And now we have the beginning of, of, the, of the new age where the Lord Jesus has, has initiated an understanding that we never knew before that the Gentiles were going to be included. And how does he start it? Well, Ananias and Sapphira lied to the Holy Spirit. And God took them. You see, God is not to be trifled with. He is God. Whether we acknowledge it or not, he is God. And he controls our lives. And he controls them in such a way that he brings something into our life and there's a result. Because his word will never return void. So let's look at these great wonders in the first paragraph. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. And they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the, re uh, of the rest dared join them. Why? Well, because of what happened to Ananias and Sapphira. But the people held them in high esteem, and more than ever believers were added to the Lord. Multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats 
that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. You notice, it's all the apostles. The only miracles we saw up to now has been Peter and John, but now all the apostles are involved. And uh, you, you notice that originally it was 2,000, then 3,000, and now God is adding to his church multitudes. And, and, and this wonderful, beautiful picture of God displaying his church. Well, you would think, I would think, that all of these miracles would bring great rejoicing. But you know what it brought? Instead, it produced great jealousy. But the high priest rose up, and all were with him, that is, the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in public prison. <laughs> what we thought would bring great rejoicing brought instead great jealousy. And, and it's kind of interesting because you know what jealousy is? I remember Bill, um, Bill Williams used to teach us that uh, uh, jealousy was uh, the pushing of the three primary emotions, love, fear, and hate. And uh, you push them equally and you get jealousy. I always thought that was interesting. Uh, love, well, because they loved themselves. They had lost the love for the people. They fell in love with themselves. These people didn't know what it was to serve others. And, and you know, the fear. They feared losing their position. They didn't fear what was going to happen to the people that were around them. They feared that they were going to lose their position. And their love, well, they unfortunately loved what they did. And they loved the honor and they loved the glory that went with their position. But they did not love the people. And as a result, they produced nothing but a dead religion. Well, what should have brought jail time for the apostles instead brought a great deliverance. So we have a, we have great wonders, which unfortunately produced great jealousy, which now produces great deliverance. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all these words of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Now when the high priest came and those who were with him, they called together the council, all the senate of the people of Israel, and sent them to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison. So they returned and reported, we found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, no one was inside. Interesting play on words here. The apostles were set free to go set the people free, free from the bondage that was produced by the dead religion that the Sadducees had. 
it's kind of an interesting picture to me. Um, the idea of, of, a, of, of God releasing them. Can you imagine the look on the, on, the, on the eyes of the guards when they turned around and looked into their prison and their prisoners were gone? Later, the guards are going to be executed, even though it's God that opened the doors and freed the people. Well, you would think, I would think, that if prison doors were no boundary to God, you would think that that would wake the people up. The great wonders brought out, produced great jealousy. The great jealousy produced a great deliverance. And guess what? This brought nothing but great perplexity. Verses 5, 24 to 26. Now when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed. They were greatly perplexed about them, wondering what this would come to. And someone told them, look, the men who you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain with the officers went and brought them, but not by force for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. Isn't that interesting? They were afraid of the people. Well, after all, there had been great wonders being done, and there was the deliverance from, from the prison, so why not? Why not be afraid? I'd be scared to death. And, and it also says something. It says that the, the apostles could have stayed they could have thumbed their nose at them, but instead, they understood that God was in this. And so willingly, they went with their captors. I think that's a fascinating picture of what takes place. Well, it should have brought revival as far as I'm concerned. You know what it brought? It brought about some great questioning. And when they had brought, this is verses, chapter 5, verses 27 through 28. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council. And the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charge you not to teach in this name. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Notice they didn't use his name. There's none of their name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. They didn't use that name. It was almost like they figured if they said that name, that somehow a curse would fall upon them. But you know, at the name of Jesus, one day every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. You know, they questioned them. They questioned them because they were in hopes that they could find some little flaw. But what we have is a beautiful picture of God at work. It's a picture uh, maybe of the first of the civil disobedience. You know, I know you told us this and I know it's our responsibility to follow you. And we would accept that. 
Our responsibility to God is far greater than our responsibility to you. There's just absolutely no question about it. Well, what should have brought an end to all of this produced instead a great message. They had the opportunity to preach the gospel. Chapter 5, 29 through 32. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than man. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him in his right hand as a leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. You know what? They took the opportunity simply to preach the gospel. That's why God sent them back to prison. That's why God sent them back in the beginning, because, you know, even these great leaders who were doing everything they could to fight against God, God loved them so much that he was willing to give them a special audience to hear the gospel. God's love goes beyond anything we and you and I could ever understand. It's so glorious and so wonderful. Well, you know, that love should have produced great, great anxiety for God. But you know what it produced? It produced great anger. When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. You know, it's an interesting thing to me. The gospel produces either love in your hearts or rage. I, I always get a kick out of watching, you know, somebody maybe on television. I don't watch much television, but some public place. They'll let you get away with anything, but they don't like to hear the gospel. Wherever Paul went, he either produced revival or rebellion. Why? Because he preached the gospel. And we see it here, very clear. Instead of it producing love in the hearts of the men that God had sent them to, it produced rage, rage to the point of where they wanted to kill them. Well, you'd think that the gospel would produce, again, a wonderful revival and that we could live ever, happily ever after because all of our leaders are, are now Christians. But what did it produce? Well, it did produce great advice. But a Pharisee in the council by the name of Gamaliel, a teacher of the law held in honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. And he said to them, men of Israel, take care what you are about to do to these men. For before these days, Thutis rose up claiming to be somebody and a number of men, about 400 of them, joined him. He was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So that in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. 
For if this plan or if this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice. You could tell that they respected that man because he was a Pharisee and the court was run by the Sadducees. And you know, these men were preaching a resurrection which the Sadducees did not believe in. These men were released by angels which the Sadducees did not believe in. I love the irony of God. I just think it's so beautiful. You know, when you, when you think about that, you think, wow, God is so great. And he has to have a sense of humor on top of it. Well, you would think, it wasn't that great advice because you notice Gamaliel, he, he, would, he wasn't even interested in finding out what was going on. He just thought, well, you know, if it's of God, it'll last. If it's not, kind of passed it off. But you know, that great advice should have definitely brought something into the hearts and the lives of those men in that, in that council. But you know what it brought about? It brought about great suffering. And when they called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. You know, we kind of pass over that. 39 stripes. They bared them. And they would take the whip. And here's the irony. They would lash them. And then they'd read a scripture. And then they'd lash them. And then they'd read a scripture. <laughs> to me, that's just so interesting that they could use the scriptures to beat people. How many of us have been guilty of hitting people over the head with the Bible instead of showing them the love that's inside of it? Well, you would think that that great suffering would have brought the end. But instead, you know what it produced? It produced great witnessing. Then they left the presence of the council. Notice this, rejoicing. With their backs bloody, they were rejoicing. Why? that they were actually counted worthy to suffer for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. You know, if that isn't dead religion, I don't know what dead religion is. And if that isn't a contrast of the dead and the living, I don't know what the difference is. We have the dead religion and we have a living religion. We have a living Christ. The word dead is an interesting word. I, I think it starts off well with the idea of being detached. You know, when all you think about is yourself, 
you become detached from what's around you. When, um, you know, years ago, um, people got the idea that they were called to serve in a church. Today, I don't know what happened to us. You know, you're called to vocations. Some of you are called to, to be musicians like what we have here. How could you beat that or beat those wonderful um, Christmas services that we had? And some are called to be doctors and some are called to be whatever, policemen and so forth and so on. We get the idea that, that the only people that were called were ministers. That, that, that's from the pit of hell and it smells like smoke. God has a purpose for you in your life. And he uses you and he calls you and puts you in a place where you can be of most value. And he calls you to a church where you can serve, where you can use your gifts. And your gifts are important because your gifts make the church work. It's our coming together to make it work. Well, what's the opposite of being attached? Well, obviously it's being, the opposite of detached is being attached. It means that you're concerned about others. It means that you're using your gifts for the glory of God in the place where God calls you to be because that's where he chooses to use you. Well, you're detached, but you're attached. Or you're entertained. <laughs> You know, you think about entertainment, you think it's just simply to you know, have a good time. I, I, I link the word entertain with the word amuse. You know, if you're a theist, you believe in God. If you're an atheist, you don't believe in God. All we did was put an A in front of a letter. Well, do you know the word muse means to think? What happens when you put an A in front of it? Well, you're just simply not thinking. And that's what happens. And that's precisely what we saw as we looked at them unfold in their lives. They were totally entertained. Well, there are those that are attached and there are those that are learning. You see, if you're not being amused, then you have the opportunity to have your minds opened where God can fill it. And you're thinking and you're applying what God is giving you. And that's what we saw of the apostles who were there in the presence of them, giving them the gospel. Well, you know, you're detached, you're entertained, you become apathetic. You simply don't care. Isn't that what we saw? The people loved them. The people were being healed. Uh, Doc said to me this morning, I went to all these years of medical school and Peter just let his shadow cast on people and they were healed. Well, you'd think that they would be thinking about that, but no, they didn't care. They were more concerned about themselves than they were about the people. Total apathy. Well, the living are attached and they're learning and they're involved. They're involved and not only are they involved, they're vital 
They're important in the body. We need them because they're alive, detached, entertained, apathetic, and finally defeated. Totally and completely ineffective. The jealousy that they had for the apostles, they never saw multitudes come to them. And it produced a, why? Because it was a very ineffective ministry. But those who are attached, learning, involved, and vital become effective. And you know what? That's exciting. It's exciting because God is using them. God is using their gifts to bring glory and honor to himself. William Temple, the Archbishop of Canterbury in the late 1800s, he he gave us a quote that I, I think totally pictures what Christianity is all about. Christians are called to the hardest of all tasks, to fight without hatred, to resist without bitterness. And in the end, if God grant grant it so, to triumph without vindictiveness. And may all who come behind us find us faithful. Thank you, Lord, for your word. We treasure it, we love it, we respect it, and we take our joy in it. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.